Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Hey, uh, we we are back anyway for this week. We're back in our series. Some of us have probably forgotten about this series because there's been a bit of a gap because of lockdown and hot August nights and a whole bunch of other things. Um, But we were doing a series called Songs of Ascent. You remember that? Songs of Ascent. So these are the 14 Psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 that were sung as the children of Israel would pilgrim to Jerusalem three times a year. So this will be my last message on this. And I'm going to look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126. It says this. When the Lord brought back the, capti- the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want to talk for a few moments from the subject, time to rise, time to rise. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, that you have ordained this day as a day of transformation, a day of salvation, a day, Lord God, of divine appointments for your people. We thank you, Lord God. As we lean in, uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just quicken our spirits to things that you are speaking directly to every single individual. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In Matthew chapter 16, there is this encounter that Jesus has with some of the religious leaders and his tone is extremely terse. Um, sometimes we think uh, Jesus was lovely, meek and mild, and maybe you grew up seeing pictures of Jesus on the walls with long flowing blonde hair, with a little cute lamb on his shoulder and that. Jesus was a little bit more masculine than that. And he's having this confrontation with these religious leaders, and they come to him and they say, if you are the son of God, give us a sign. And Jesus bites back. And he says, this generation is a wicked and perverse generation. He said, you guys know how to determine the signs of the day. In the evenings, when you see the, uh, the sky and it's red, you'll know the following day will be cool. He says, you hypocrites, you know how to discern the times around you, but you don't know how to discern what's right in front of you. And he said, you won't get any sign. The only sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah. Jesus was referencing here their desire for a sign. Jesus, perform a miracle, you know, like some performing monkey. Just do a little trick for us. You know, uh, 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 cure our curiosity. Just do something. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how it works. I'm not doing anything for you. The only sign you'll get is you will see, just like the prophet was in the belly of the whale three days, three nights, and then got up, I'm going to be in the belly of of death for three days, three nights, then I'm going to get up. And so Jesus had harsh words for them because they were able to discern the signs and the times around them, but they could not see right in front of them. 
These were the guys that knew the, the, the Bible, their version of the Bible, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They knew it. And even though they knew it, they could not see that all the prophecies were actually pointing to the one that was right in front of them. The truth was their hearts had become hardened and they had actually rejected that and they, were, they weren't wanting to, to receive Jesus as the promised Messiah. So they were just saying, just do a trick, perform a miracle. We heard how you fed the 5,000 plus. Do something for us. Jesus said, no, nah, I'm not doing anything for you. And, and, and I just believe that sometimes as Christians, it is a reminder that God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can actually discern the things that are happening around us. And I'm not just talking about in the world or in our society right now, but I'm talking about the seasons and the times that we are actually in as individuals. And this is really what I want to talk about because this passage of Scripture touches on the fact that these people, the, the children of God, are actually reflecting back on a time when they were captive by Babylon. Babylon had come and invaded Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, took everything out that was valuable, killed people, took the rest back to Babylon. And for 70 years, they were captives. And the writer here, the psalmist is saying, there was a time where we were living a nightmare. But then after the 70 years, there was a time, it was like a dream. There was a time where we were in that captivity, but there is also a time where we're in freedom. There, there is a time where there was rejoicing, and there was a time where there was weeping. There, there was a time where there was sowing, but there's also a time where there is reaping. And, and I believe for, for today in particular that God is saying it is on us that we discern the time that we are in, the season that we are in. And, and whether you are in a season where you are maybe sowing or maybe you're right in the middle of a harvest and you are reaping in areas of your life, Maybe you're in a season of uh, weeping uh, and others are in a season of rejoicing. Whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, I want to say that today is about, it doesn't matter where you are at, every season you are in, you can actually rise from. Every season that you are in, every time that you might be going through, you can actually rise from. I love the fact that um, I have the privilege of pastoring this campus and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bigger job than I can handle often and, and so we've got an amazing team. But it's amazing how in the course of a week sometimes I can at the same time speak to a family and help them prepare for the funeral of their loved ones and then at the very same time speak to another family and help them celebrate the birth of a new child. All in the same time. That, that while we're praying and, and believing for someone who has been diagnosed with some sort of chronic disease, at the same time we're rejoicing at someone who's received a miracle and, and, and has been healed. You know, it's all sort of happening at, at the same time. And the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about the fact that there is a time and a season for absolutely everything under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, Everything, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, 
a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. It is my belief and conviction that times and seasons are not governed by clocks and calendars, but by encounters and revelations. That just because I've hit a certain milestone does not necessarily usher in a new season. But that oftentimes when you look through the Bible, a new time or a new season transitions into another one when there is an encounter with God and there is a fresh revelation. Moses, he's in the wilderness looking after his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. And in one encounter with God, through the burning bush, he goes from minding his father-in-law's sheep to discovering and having this revelation that God is the God of I am. He is the great I am. And he goes from looking after his father's sheep to looking after God's entire people in one moment. Jacob, we were just mentioning, but before Jacob was Israel, before he was, his name was turned to Prince of God, Israel, he actually passed through a place that he did not know, and he discovered that place was Bethel. It was the house of God. He woke up, and he saw all this supernatural activity around him, and he discovered this is the house of God. Before he created the house of Israel through his 12 sons, God brought him through, and he discovered the house of God. It, it, it goes on. There are all these people. Paul on the road to Damascus. One minute he is persecuting the followers of Jesus. The next minute he is planting churches all around the known world. And it was all because he had an encounter with Jesus. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. So I believe that today is about creating a moment and I want to create a bit of space for this that at the end we're going to invite people to come and, and maybe you can sense that there is a transition, there is a shift in seasons at times. Yes, you've been walking in a time of sowing, but I believe that you know that there is now a time of reaping. You've been in this season of weeping, but there is now a season of rejoicing. And I believe that, that really today is about stepping through a doorway. A doorway marks the end of one area and transitioning into the beginning of another. When you step through a doorway, you leave one place to enter into a new place. And, and so we want to create space where I believe for, for some people, you're actually going to step out from where you were and you're going to step into it. And we're going to create a space where you can actually encounter God. This is not just about someone laying hands on you and automatically you're in your next season, but it's an opportunity for you to encounter the living God. And that revelation will actually, I believe, will shift you from one season into another. 
some seasons that we are in, some times that we are in, how many of you know some of them are really hard and they feel like they will never end? Um, our son is 15 right now, but when he was a baby, he was not a good sleeper. Any parents here that had kids that weren't good sleepers? And how many of you know that sleep deprivation is a form of torture? <laughs> it, is, it is brutal. I remember, you know, my wife and I looking at each other thinking, when is this ever going to end? It felt like it, we were trapped in this cycle of no sleep, of crying baby, unwell baby. I remember the only time he would sleep is if I popped him in a capsule in the car and go for a drive. We were living out west uh, at Springfield Lakes, Ipswich at the time. And I remember being in a daze one night and just driving and ending up here on the Gold Coast. Uh, just because when he was in the car, he was out. But what used to really annoy me was the moment I'd pull up into the garage and the roller door would go down and the car would turn off. I'd look in the rearview mirror and his eyes would go. And I'd say, oh, I'm going to throw you. No, I didn't. Um, but it just seemed like that season, that time would never end. That it was just night became day, became night, didn't know what side was up. And, that, and now he's 15, we have to kick him out of bed thinking, why couldn't you sleep like that when you're a baby? Now all you want to do is sleep and stuff. But there are times and seasons where we just feel like they, they are never going to end. And as I was preparing for this, I, I actually saw a picture, um, I believe the Holy Spirit showed me, in that passage in 126, Psalm 126, where it says, those who sow in tears will come again reaping and rejoicing, carrying their sheaves, carrying their harvest with them. And God showed me a field that was absolutely barren, and there were people, there were people that were kept going out. And even though it was barren and it was just dirt, there was not one shrub or nothing green in sight, and you were just faithfully sowing. You were just faithfully sowing, and you were weeping as you were sowing. I want to tell you, even though that's a season, understand that it is just a time. It is just a season. That the other side of that, you will come back and it will be lush. You will be carrying your harvest with you. And I'm talking to parents where you have been praying for your child who is away from God and you're crying out to God and you've been fasting and interceding and petitioning heaven and you're sowing and you are sowing and you are planting and you are giving and you're seeing nothing. You're seeing nothing. I want to tell you that that day is coming where you will receive your child back that every single one of your children will serve the Lord. They will not get away from your prayers. I, I tell, I tell uh, people all the time, and I know they're not walking with the Lord, but their parents are praying for them. I tell them, just give up, mate. Just give up. I know you might be backslidden or wait. Just give up. You cannot outrun your mother's or your grandmother's prayer. For some reason, the prayers of those certain individuals are just a lot more potent, and, and you will not outrun those prayers. I know from experience, because I tried it and it didn't work, uh, those prayers will catch up with you. Those, uh, those seeds that have been sown in tears, they will one day bring a harvest and all of your children. And, and, and that was the picture that, that I saw that for some people, it just felt like, man, um, I'm doing this thing. I'm being faithful. I'm giving. I'm showing up. I'm doing all that I can. And I'm not seeing anything. I want you to understand that that season of sowing and barrenness is just that. It is just a season. 
it has an end date. It has an expiry date. And on the other side of that, there will be a season of rejoicing and harvesting and carrying your sheaves in with you. Amen. If you believe it, say amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, Jesus says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is saying, and and he's actually quoting an Old Testament prophecy. He's saying this particular region, there were people that were sitting and they were stuck because of the darkness that was over them. But he's saying that season is over because the light of the world is here. And because the light is here, it is now your time to rise. It is now your time to, to rise. This word that I've spoken a little bit about before, the word pivot is like a buzzword that we're kind of hearing now amongst, you know, all the COVID restrictions and all of that. And, and oftentimes you'll talk, you'll hear organizations or churches talking about their need to be able to pivot quickly. We were going this way, snap lockdown, we've just got to pivot. We, we've got to go this way. I believe if, if, if this was kind of paraphrased in today's language, it will be this, repent or pivot for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You were sitting in darkness, pivot and stand up because the great light is here. Here's, here's the thing with pivoting, and I've learned this the hard way. Um, I was playing touch football a few years ago and out of shape, hadn't played football for years, and I remember, um, I remember a, a ball got intercepted that was on our side and their winger took off and he was right sort of beside me. And I turned too quickly and I pivoted really quickly and went to go, but my hamstring said, no, you're not going anywhere, mate. It seized up and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the problem with pivoting. If you try and pivot too quickly and you are carrying extra weight, it's not going to happen. So the key is, is to shed the extra weight. Here's what God is saying to the uh, people in the Old Testament. And and he has some brutal words for the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. He calls them stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. Do you know what a stiff-necked person is? I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You've slept in the wrong way. Maybe, you, you know, something's happened in the middle of the night and you wake up with like a crick in your neck and you can't, you can't move too quickly and it's like someone calls you from over here and you've got to do this because there's a, that's like a stiff neck. God is talking to people that are unwilling to pivot quickly. God is saying, I need you to leave the ways of Egypt back in Egypt. And they're saying, no, we're holding on to all those things, the appetites of Egypt, the way of Egypt. And God is saying, if you are going to inherit everything that I have for you, if you are going to rise into everything, then you are going to need to pivot. And in order to be, to, to be able to pivot, you've got to shed some weight. You've got to shed all of those old things from your past. You've got to get rid of the bitterness. You've got to get rid of the unforgiveness. You've got to get rid of the offenses. All those things that are weighing you down, God is saying, you need to get rid of that because you cannot pivot with that thing. You cannot move and be flexible and be teachable and be humble. You cannot move if you are carrying all that stuff. So I believe that 
in this season that we are in, if we are to rise, if we are to rise, that we need to get up, that we need to shed the weight. We need to shed the weight. There is this uh, unholy exercise move that I came across when I was training. And um, um, how many of you know what a kettlebell is? Um, so a kettlebell is an exercise equipment. It is totally evil. I think the Russians came up with it. It is basically a cannonball with a handle. And um, they do all sorts of exercise. You know, the Olympic athletes do it. But there is this move where you basically sit down and you hold the kettlebell up high. And most of these weigh between 20 and 40 kilos. And you hold it up high and then you proceed to get up while your arm is outstretched. And then you can go back down and you can repeat that for reps. And it is a horrible, horrible exercise, but it's extremely effective. Um, I struggled just to get my own weight up, let alone adding an extra 20 kilo kettlebell or, or, or something. But I, I just feel like today, those people that are struggling with getting up and moving forward, that today is really, we're going to turn this front part in just a few minutes into a weight loss area that there is some weight that is going to come off you. There are some things that are going to shed, and you are going to be flexible and pliable. You're going to be able to pivot. You're going to be able to move and transition out of the season that you are in and into everything that God has for you. But you've got to shed the weight. You've got to get rid of all of those things. This is the awesome thing about what uh, Proverbs 24 reminds us. He says, though a righteous man... Proverbs 24, 16, though a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Though a righteous man falls seven times. Well, you've got to think, what's a righteous man doing falling that many times? Here's the key. He gets back up again. This is significant because the number seven is the Bible, in the Bible is the number of completion or fulfillment. And I believe for some people, they think, I've fallen again and that's it. I must have filled my quota for forgiveness and, uh, he, you know, heaven's done. But this is saying, no, 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 even when you think it's all over, it's done, you're finished, get back up again. And you can get back up again. Psalm 20 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. That even in the midst of all that's happening around us, and though other people may place their trust and their faith in other things, in their ability to do certain things, in their possessions or whatever it is, he's saying, I place my trust in the name of the Lord, and that's why I can get up. Micah chapter 7 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Here's the thing, it's saying, enemies, don't celebrate prematurely. Have you ever been watching sport, maybe it's football, and you see those people that are running to the try line, and there's no one around them, and they start celebrating, but it's prematurely because they go to put the ball down and they fumble it and knock it on. This is saying, don't celebrate prematurely enemies, those who see that I am down, because though I am down, I am not out. I am not out. Every single believer is called to rise up. Every single believer is called to rise up 
from where we have been into all that God has given us. Being a child of the 80s, um, I grew up watching, and I, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, I grew up watching wrestling. Um, not the real kind, the Olympic, you know, wrestling, but the good stuff, you know, WWE stuff. And, uh, and, and my favourite guy was Hulk Hogan, this mountain of a man. You know, he'd come out, everything was brother, brother, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, do some training, brother. And, um, and he had this signature move where, uh, you know, the, the match would be going on and, and his opponent uh, would be like choking him out. And he'd be on the ground, he'd be out of it. And the referee is looking at him and he's looking at the, uh, the, the ringmaster, you know, the bell, and he picks up Hulk Hogan's arm and Hulk Hogan's arm just falls down limp. And then he says, that's one. And he picks it up again and it just falls down limp again. And he goes, that's two. And we know that it's three and out. So he picks it up again and just as it's about to fall, gets to here and the Hulkster starts to shake. He starts to move. The crowd starts to build, starts to get wild. And he slowly gets his way up. Even though he's still got his opponent choking him out, he slowly gets up. And with the roar of the crowd behind him, he stands up and then he starts to elbow the guy. He breaks loose and then he does his signature kick, his signature leg drop, all of that. He pins the guy. It's all over. Just when it looks like we're down and out, the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to rise. It's time to rise. It's time to rise. From everything that you have been going through, every place you have been, it is time to rise. All through the Bible, every single follower of God, they had to rise from something. Sarah had to rise from seven decades of barrenness in order to birth her promised son, Isaac. Joseph had to rise from family betrayal, from slavery and imprisonment in order to fulfill his God dream. The prodigal son, he had to rise from his mistakes, his regrets and the pig pen that he was in in order to return home. Esther had to rise up from the safety of anonymity and step into the danger of her destiny when she approached the king. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they all had to rise up even when everyone else around them was bowing down. Noah had to rise up in the face of ridicule and build something he didn't fully understand in preparation for something he'd never seen. Nehemiah had to rise up and rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem under constant threats of attack. So they built with a construction tool in one hand and a weapon of warfare in the other. When everyone else was cowering and retreating at the sight of the undefeated giant from Gath, David rose up with nothing but a sling and a pocket full of rocks and confronted the giant. And although Jesus, beaten, betrayed, crucified, wrapped, entombed, the stone put in front of his grave, and three days later we know that he rose, that he rose from everything that he went through three days ago into total victory and all authority, all power, he rose. And every single one of us, we have that resurrection power living within us. Every single one of us, we have that power to rise 
in each one of us. Amen. So today, can I just get everyone to stand? And I know we've gone long, but I just want to give an opportunity to people. And here's, here's the big thing that I felt the Holy Spirit say to me in the service. One of the biggest areas people are going to rise from today is from complacency and familiarity. You may not necessarily be bound by some sort of obvious addiction or, or some sort of big issue, but God's calling you to rise from complacency, just settling where you are. You know, I tithe, I come to church when I can, pay my taxes, I do good. But you know you've actually settled. There's actually more for you. Or the familiarity of, of your relationship with God. Maybe, maybe God needs to resensitize your heart again. So I'm going to ask the band just to, just to play one song. And as they do, if, if that's you, I just want to, I've asked the team just to be ready. We're going to pray specifically for you. I believe this is your time to rise, but it's your time also to transition from where you were into where God has for you. So as the team plays, why don't you come forth and we're just going to pray for you. We're going to allow you an encounter with the living God. We believe that you'll get a fresh revelation and God is going to shift you from where you are into where he is. So Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you as they respond in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you are raising your people up. You are transitioning them out of where they were into where you are preparing them for that that season of sowing in tears, Lord God, is coming to an end. And that, Father, I just declare and I call forth the harvest. Your people will be coming, carrying their sheaves with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.